Hello, world. You're tuned into Web 3.0, redefining marketing and privacy. I'm your host, Brent Peterson, and joining me is the one, the only Jackie Downing. Hello, Brent, and a hearty hello to all our lovely listeners out there. Buckle up, because we've got a blinder of an episode coming your way. That we do, Jackie. Today we're delving into the nitty-gritty of marketing and privacy in this new age of Web 3.0. Oh, Brent, you do have a knack for understatement. It's not just nitty-gritty, it's like trying to navigate Piccadilly Circus during the Christmas rush. The whole landscape of marketing is undergoing a transformation, all thanks to exciting, yet somewhat befuddling technologies like blockchain and AI. But here's the million-pound question. What about us consumers? What's happening to our privacy in all this hullabaloo? That's an excellent point, Jackie. And to help us unpack this, we're bringing in the big guns. We've invited a leading authority in the field, McKenna Sweezy. Oh, McKenna Sweezy. Well, isn't that just the bee's knees? She's the senior privacy officer at Blockchain Innovations, a proper boffin. With her on board, I think we might just make some sense of this whole rigmarole. Whether you're a marketer navigating this brave new world or a consumer curious about your data rights, you're in the right place. Well, I hope they've got a strong cupper at hand, Brent. It's going to be one informative roller coaster. So hold on to your hats, ladies and gents, as we redefine marketing and privacy with the brilliant McKenna Sweezy. But first, let's hear a word from our fine sponsors. Great news for the Magenta community. Hoofa is now fully supported by Amnesty, the number one Magento extension provider. With a catalog of over 250 Magento products and solutions and a full range of custom development services, Amnesty actively invests in providing compatibility with the Hoofa theme. 33 solution compatibilities have already been released and are available as part of the regular product subscription with no extra charge. And many more new compatibilities are coming. In partnership with Hoofa, Amnesty is focused on providing its clients with high-quality extensions, great performance, and a high level of service. Visit Amnesty.com for more details. That's A-M-A-S-T-Y dot com. And remember to tell them Talk Commerce sent you. Have you heard of the Hoofa theme for Magento? It is a powerful yet intuitive theme that has been designed to help Magento store owners create the perfect online store. With the Hoofa theme, you can create a store that is unique and engaging while taking advantage of the latest technology that will make your site blazing fast. The theme is built with a modern, responsive design that is optimized for maximum performance and usability. You can easily achieve Google Lighthouse scores of 10. It is also fully customizable, allowing you to adjust its look and feel to fit your brand. Overall, the Hoofa theme is the best choice for any Magento site. It is easy to set up and customize, and it provides powerful features to help you create a successful online store. Plus, it is designed to work seamlessly with your existing Magento store so you can take advantage of its powerful features and tools. With the Hoofa theme, you can create a beautiful, engaging, and successful Magento site. Go to hyva.io to learn more. That's hyva.io. And tell them that Talk Commerce sent you. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have McKenna Swayze. Can I go ahead and tell us your day-to-day role and maybe one of your passions in life? 
Absolutely. I run a small consultancy called Meta X Moda, and I work with clients on how they're going to use Web3, and we can discuss more what Web3 means, to drive their marketing goals, particularly for retail clients, fashion, beauty, but also publishing and other businesses. Yeah, that, and frankly, that is my passion. I love the idea really specifically of virtual fashion and what creativity happens when we move to a completely virtual 3D immersive world. And I'm super excited about where that is going in the short and long term. So that's where I am right now. Great. And I know that you've graciously agreed to talking or listening to a joke that I'm going to tell you. And we had said maybe this joke could go into Web 3.0 or should it stay in Web 1.0 even. So here we go. A shark can swim faster than me, but I can run faster than a shark. So in a triathlon, it would all come down to who is the better cyclist. How about we split the difference? And it's a Web 2 joke. It deserves to be on the Internet. It's not an email chain thing. No. (laughs) It's a thinking joke. Uh, A thinking joke. Yes, all my jokes are thinking jokes. Like, you think about it, and then it may or may not be funny the next day. I have toddlers at home. All my jokes are not thinking jokes. (laughs) Gotcha. Good. All right, McKenna, let's start out with what is Web3? Yeah. And my answer is it's everything and it's nothing. I think the easiest way now is to think of it as an evolution, really, of the way we consume and own content on the Internet. And if pre-web or web zero is newspapers and there being like one or two influential voices disseminating information. Then obviously you evolve to social media and it's really a back and forth and people and brands and media companies are all in conversation about what is content. And that can be the written word. It can be art. It can be fashion. It obviously a big part of it is commerce. And then now we're entering a new world where digital can be 3d and I think we'll see, we already see so much of that in like Roblox and Fortnite. And I think we will see more worlds that you'll call the metaverse. A more online life requires digital ownership. The obvious solution to that is blockchain. And blockchain works for NFTs. And I'm sure everyone under, has heard a little bit about the NFT craze, which has dropped off a lot lately. But really the idea that you can own something publicly that is digital, that's really important. And I think there's some other like, para technologies people put in augmented reality or even virtual reality with the headsets into this space i think those are more tangential but yes i think it's 3d immersive worlds and us spending time online and then the ownership required to exist in those worlds so mostly that's blockchain great and would you describe web 3.0 as being more towards the blockchain side where maybe there's not one server that has all the data on it but it's more dispersed across the internet I think, yes, that idea of the dissemination of data and the sort of a publicly distributed ledger, which is the ethos of blockchain and making sure that there's no one point of failure for data is very exciting for several reasons. But I think in the near term, less applicable for many of the things that I think about and talk about, because from as a marketer's perspective and anyone who's working with commerce and consumers, that data cannot be publicly distributed yet because that is like a massive privacy concern. And so we're still trying to understand where that like distribution and centralization 
interspersed with publicly available. One of the things that people talk about in Web3 marketing specifically is this idea of token gating. And I can see your wallet where you hold NFTs and tokens on the blockchain. And it tells me something about you and I can use that to let you onto my website or not. And so that is publicly distributed information. And yet maybe you don't want everyone to know that about you. So I think this is like an inherent tension in in that distribution of information. Should we all know everything about each other's virtual wallets? Probably not. But that also means that not one company is controlling that information, which has upsides as well. Yeah, so you that that privacy thing, I think California is moving towards more of a European-style model for data privacy. Do you see that Web3 making it easier for marketers or more difficult for marketers in terms of trying to get data out of customers? I think in the short term, easier because it's a little bit the Wild West and it's hard to know. And particularly per your previous question, people who are very involved in this world are have consented to this idea of this publicly available information. That is probably not your average consumer. And so when we get to much larger scale, people are going to throw up their arms and say, I don't want this. I think that technology will obviously have to... And you see this now, people are building ways to hide information. Um, I think in the end, it's probably, at least in terms of privacy, net zero. There's reasons it's going to be easier and there's reasons it's going to be harder, certainly in the mid term. In the short term, it's also a smaller scale. So, you know, it's experimental. In smaller scale, in terms of less people using it right now. Is exactly. That what you're saying? Yeah. Exactly. So I know too that the cookieless, the, at some point, we're going to be cookieless, right? So maybe. You think that. Yeah, maybe you're right. I guess so. But I get where you're going. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think how many times do you click on a European site and say accept all cookies or don't? I guess a lot of times most people just say accept all cookies, but there's a probably a large subset that doesn't accept cookies at all. So you have to be able to navigate around that. And I think the number is something like 50% for your average site that, that don't accept cookies. So yes, I agree. We will be cookie-less. And I think that actually, now we've entered the meat of my passion for the tools for Web3 is that Web3, if you are holding a token for a company, like it's a direct relationship, it is supposed to be permanent, right? That's the idea of the blockchain is a permanent distributed ledger. This is, let's say I'm Brand McKenna and I give Brent a token. That's an indelible link between us. And there are different apps and different ways for us to communicate based on that link and for me to give you access to things. And that's obviously there's a form of consent that's happened in that like original situation that I think for now we're taking as like essentially a consent for contact, but it is more intimate. It puts a different value on it because in many cases you could sell that token. And so by holding it, it's more of an active choice than a passive choice. Like we all have a Starbucks rewards card, but at this point for me, that's passive because I don't use go to Starbucks. It's not part of my daily routine. But if your other option is to sell your Starbucks rewards card, and Starbucks is very much testing out, not that particular element, but they are testing out Web3 rewards, holding becomes an active choice as opposed to holding as the passive choice. So I think in that sense, um, it does give you a tightening of your communication, probably makes your pool a little smaller. You only have the people who you want to talk to, but it kind of skirts around that the pool is smaller, less people are going to say yes, but these people have shown more interest. It's not it's pros and cons, depends on which marketing team you're on. Does that present more challenges for marketing? Is there an upside to it at all? When you say it's, smaller pool, I, as a marketer, I hear more challenges. 
more challenge. Yes, but they have they are more engaged. I think if you are talking about customer lifetime value, you should be able to extract and give more value to a more engaged pool. And those people that are holding on to, let's just say, the Starbucks Rewards app, like I am essentially worth nothing to Starbucks at this point. And so that they are not going to win me back. So it depends on how you look at the challenge. You'd also, it's not like everyone who's only mildly interested in McKenna.com is going to sell off the token that has let them be a part of my brand. It's only the people who are negatively interested. So I don't mean to say the pool has just shrunk to only people who are like mega fans, though you could do that. You might want to do that. I think also when you say that, that implies that the other side, regular digital marketing is going so well. And we know now, obviously post privacy, post many other changes, Apple's changes, obviously social media is like a continuously evolving hurdle. It's not like the other option A is going to go away or B is so easy, right? You can have this huge mass of potential users and yet being able to target them, acquire them at scale, at price is really hard. Well, that's a lot of people's jobs and they're not, they're still getting paid to do that. Do you envision semi-porous tokens where maybe the user data is encrypted and locked, but the what the actual user is locked, but the what they're doing is more public so people can or companies can see trends and maybe share trends? Yeah. I think we will get to a place where I actually think this is onus is on the wallet and the obfuscating or obscuring the identity of the user and you can ex- tell the world, which ones you want to show and how much information you want to show. I think the other mechanic here that blockchain makes really easy is paying for that information. And that once you have that address, you can actually pay someone truly to give you more demographic or behavioral or intent information. And that's great because that's what we've been doing all along by putting advertising on content. We're offering content so that you can see our ads. And this is just making that a little tighter and a little more obvious. I think the mechanics of that Broadly, are pretty easy to understand how it's going to work in practice. There, there's so many different ways it can work from actually a brand to consumer direct conversation to having a publisher work as a middleman and there being some sort of content in the middle. But yes, I do think there will be m- multiple safeguards, including the ones you put up yourself to say, I don't want to give away this information. Because obviously, if every transaction is public, it wouldn't take very long to figure out your home address, the names of your dogs and how much money of your bank account. But do you think that Web3 gives the advantage to the marketer, to the business owner, or to the consumer? Consumer. But that's a good thing. I actually think this is, I just wrote a blog post about the idea of taking loyalty marketing and calling it co-loyalty. Because once you have a consumer who has this token in your hand, and I referenced this before, they're <laughs> in some sense, do not ask the SEC this, um, because this is obviously up for debate, but they are some, in some sense an owner. They have a more tangential, a more a more physical relationship to your brand, and that changes the way consumers behave, and it consu- changes the way they perceive a company. And I've definitely seen this in some case studies that consumers who feel like own it, the brand are willing to spend more. They're willing to give more feedback. They're willing to disclose more information. I am a woman. I'm. 24 years old, and I have toddlers at home. And for a marketer, that's a goldmine of information. So I think the upside is for the consumer, but that actually is in subsequently is good for marketers. If you have consumers who don't feel 
Because what we're suffering with in digital marketing is consumers felt like they were getting the raw end of the deal. I'm giving you all this data, and now I'm going to need a place to just say, no, you can't have any of it. Zero, sorry, click, deny all cookies. So this gives the consumer more, a little of that back, but that's a good thing. And do you think we'll see at some point in Web 3.0 or the evolution of the internet that we have that, hey, you can share my ex- my external data, but you can't share my personal data with other people and would they get would do you feel is like right now you get the benefit of of using facebook for free which i don't know if that's a benefit or not yeah exactly (laughs) by giving them that data do you think there's going to be a trade-off in terms of that as well definitely def there's so many ways to think the the trade-offs of data and i think this, and it goes back to your previous question, it is, I think, a lot about the appearance of fairness more than the actual financial transaction. I think any one of us is not worth very much to, let's say, Facebook and how many cents on the dollar they'd be willing to pay for the names of your dogs and the money of your bank account. That's only really worthwhile in aggregate. But there's a lot to be said for the perception of equality in this relationship and this idea that I'm going to get more and be more transparent. And I think blockchain makes that really a lot easier and gives you different ways. And they can also be, what's the word I'm looking for? Data-driven ways, right? All this information is available to journalists because this is all publicly held. And so if you wanted to deep dive into how companies are using data and how much data they're getting, that's out there and it's public. And that puts consumers in a safer place, right? To say that there are watchdogs that can be on their side and understanding it. So I think the mechanics and the economics will evolve with time, but it, I do think a lot of it more is about the optics and understanding that this trade has been going on the whole time, but consumers, what they were getting was the newsfeed, and that's of differing value to different people. And what do you see then moving forward that consumers are going to get other than the option of saying no for that? The option of saying no. I think that brands will be hustling to reward their best consumers. I think there is going to be an explosion of loyalty marketing tools that you should not know are web are blockchain based, right? That is like saying that you know how your internet works. I don't know how my internet works and I don't care. We're talking right now. It works fine. So I'd like to see it disappear, frankly. But Loyalty programs, the easier that is to implement, the better it is for the consumers who know what they like and can be enticed with the offers that work for both sides of the equation, whether that's discriminatory, not discriminatory, what's the positive word of that? Tiered pricing based on your loyalty, different access, early access, et cetera, getting to do things in person, all of these opportunities to be rewarded for your loyalty. I think you will see an explosion of that. And I think it is based on blockchain because of that token, because of that ownership, because of that public data, but it doesn't have to feel like blockchain. And that would be my ideal. I don't want us to be talking. I don't want to use the word blockchain next year so much. Yeah. So so loyalty involves a merchant or a company, a larger company that has all that data and they can start using it internally. They know what those people are buying. And, but the value in the past has been that they've sold this data to third parties. And that's what we're probably not going to see a lot of, do you think? I think it's an interesting question because, what is it, Catalina, 
I think that's the name of the company, the one that works with all the uh, grocery store data, right? And that grocery store data, when you check on your loyalty, that's obviously extremely valuable. And I think for those bigger companies, they have a bigger question of how much of that should be public, right? If you're talking about smaller companies who were never probably going to be able to sell it off, or it was Amex who was doing the selling to begin with, you run into less of that. But yes, yeah, I think that's going to be a bigger issue. Again, though, a lot of consumers, despite the legislation that has been put in place, when it comes down to it, a lot of consumers don't care or don't know to care. And again, all of this is really only valuable in aggregate. It takes a million of those shoppers for the data to be interesting. So what does it really matter if I click yes or no? I think, you know, it, the short answer is it doesn't. So I know I think that'll continue pretty much at the same pace. We'll probably have to sign more disclosures that no one will read. <laughs> yeah. And you can't say no to anyways. Yeah, um, exactly. So what do you see as being the big trends now for the rest of this year for Web3? What Where are we going? Yeah. So the cooling of the NFT market is great because obviously when the tide goes out, you can see who's swimming without their bathing suit. And so I think the building on that end and saying, look, I've been talking to brands for now two years about this stuff. And I didn't have a great set of partners that could build something that I could say, this is actually really plug into your marketing organization and actually start providing value now. But now, obviously, we may or may not be in a recession. People are having to build things that are actually, okay, am I going to drive a return on my investment that is visible to my bottom line within whatever time measurable time frame? So I think that's the coolest part. I think loyalty is one of the best examples of that building tools that can align with whatever CRM you're using, collect that data, and quickly plug and play and start giving your users something for this information. So that's on the like big side. I think on the small side, you have a lot of these Web3 original projects that have created based maybe on a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, maybe on just a highly motivated community, a new way of doing business, more decentralized, back to our first question about the everything in Web3 being decentralized and public. And this, I think, is going to change a lot of the way people perceive community marketing going forward and how much ownership you can give to a community, how much creative control. Obviously, generally, Nike does not let people just do whatever they want with its logo. That's a pretty well-known brand management idea. But they've been experimenting a lot with some of their the dots swoosh.id, I think that's what it's called, and giving the community opportunity to collaborate on projects and would that turn into designs in the end. So I think those filtering up from the Web3 ethos, I think that's also going to be a big trend. We'll see that these communities having success that's measurable and then thinking how can bigger brands take those ideas of co-creation and collaboration from your most engaged members who feel like owners and what can you do to like harness that data or excitement to create products and services that will drive value. As a merchant, what should I be doing? If I were a merchant, what should I be looking for to try to get a leg up on my competition in the Web3 world? Yeah. And I think the most interesting way is just depends obviously on your budget. And at the moment, the base amount of interest is to start thinking, if I wanted to incentivize my community differently, how would I do that? And blockchain makes it easier, but it's not the only way to do it. And so starting to understand what is the point of having an engaged community? How big is my engaged community? What would I give them? 
back to, I don't want to use the word blockchain anymore. These are the real questions. Like, how do I want my customers to behave? And what can I, what do they want from me? And then the answer is, I don't know what the answer is, but then the quest, the next question is, how can I use blockchain to help me get to those goals? So I think when you're thinking about community and loyalty in particular, and these ways of connecting with your, a smaller group, because as you said, this is really about your smaller group, not your giant potential pool of potential customers out there on Instagram. So I think educating yourself on, or not educating yourself, you're, if you're in this business, you know it, but what, what questions would you like what solutions would you like to get in tighter with your community to drive more value from that smaller pool of people? And then there's a lot of like purveyors out there who have webinars and case studies who can say, this is what we're doing to build a community tool that will let you leverage this. But I think it's more for those kind of marketers to think, how could I superpower what I'm already doing? You mentioned active versus passive in the sense with the Starbucks gift card, mm-hmm. Starbucks card. Do you think that the active way that happened in the past allowed merchants to become incredibly lazy and just wait for things to happen? And when you switch to active and community, to build a community, you you need to engage and give something back more than just a cup of coffee. Is that going to make it more challenging? Or is it going to just make our product and services even better because the merchant's going to want to spend more time thinking about the consumer i think i think there'll be a split i think it's not so dissimilar to will people go back to the office or not some will some won't and for some companies this will be like a tipping point of an active community and having for that super fans one like a super direct line of communication where they feel really engaged and the brand is getting the information they need to keep iterating on their goods and services and two just way enhanced customer lifetime value for those consumers. Once they're in, they feel really engaged. They spend money. You know how to discount to them what to offer them. And for some, either because of the type of product or just because of the management team or anything, There's and frankly, there is a limit. We cannot all be in 100 active communities. That's not really the way it works. And so some brands will not participate in this, and they will be able, though, to focus on the other aspects and say that's not going to be where we meet our customers and it's not going to be the way we offer value which is fine that that's i think that's actually a that yin and yang is a benefit to all of us because i'm discord is like the preferred web3 communication tool and i'm in so many discords because there's so many great communities but i don't have all day to do that i i've got a life here i have to go get my coffee at places that are not starbucks nothing against starbucks but so yeah, I think it, it goes both ways. And it just it's also about the people on a team. Do they have an appetite for testing this out and really supercharging their community or it's not really their thing? If you could if you had one piece of advice that you could give a merchant, what would you say to them right now? I would keep my eye on the space and see how much it excites you. I think it is not we are in like a weird time and I can see why this is not the tie up of people's priorities. But if I could just say, when you think loyalty, when you think community, keep this in mind, keep in mind how a feeling of ownership, how the opportunity to connect more tightly with your community and to make an indelible link because in 18 months, we'll feel very differently about this and the infrastructure will be far more advanced. And at that point, you're going to wish that you'd maybe thought about this and had a way to implement even if in the next six months, it's not a priority. 
Okay, so 18 months. I think 18 months. <laughs> Good. McKenna, as I close out the podcast, I give the guests a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like to plug. What would you like to plug today? I have a newsletter, unsurprisingly. It's called Meta X Moda, and that's also the, my website. So you can sign up. It's on Substack. I'm on LinkedIn with it as well. And yeah, I talk about these things on a bi-weekly basis. What do marketers want and need to know about Web3? Awesome. Perfect. I will put all your contact information in the show notes, and uh, I appreciate you being here today. Thanks. It was a lovely chat. And I'm going to take you. your joke and run it by the five-year-old, see what happens. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.